I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to The Economist Asks. I'm Anne McElvoy. And this week we're asking, when will the electric car rule the road? More than a dozen countries have set a deadline for prohibiting sales of petrol-fuelled cars. They range from France in 2040 to the UK committing to 2030. Norway even says it will bring in a ban five years before that. But are these targets realistic or just hot air? Herbert Dies is chief executive of Volkswagen, the vast German company which also owns several other brands including Audi, Porsche and Bentley. As well as cars, the VW empire spans motorbikes, buses and lorries. They vie with Toyota to be the world's biggest car maker. But it's been a bumpy ride at VW in recent years. In 2018, Mr Dies took over from his predecessor in the aftermath of the diesel emissions scandal, in which VW installed emissions cheating software in 11 million vehicles worldwide. In the end, the firm paid at least $30 billion in fines and other costs. The question today for Mr. Dies is how Volkswagen can compete in an industry rapidly switching from the internal combustion engine to electrification. Joining me in this conversation is Simon Wright, The Economist's industry editor and conveniently also an expert on all things on wheels. Hi, Simon. Nice to have you along for the ride. Hello. And Herbert Dies, welcome to The Economist Asks. And Simon, happy to be here. I'm going to start with a very simple question. I'm just curious. What was the first car that you owned? Yeah, and then I'm going to ask you what you drive now and just see if it's been a bit of an upward tilt. Yeah, it's a funny question because it's so long ago. Uh, Actually, it was a Fiat 500, what you would called Topolino. It's only only was sold in uh, Europe. No, I think you wouldn't you wouldn't see any in, in the United States or overseas. A very small car, 18 horsepowers, uh, very low consumption. Yeah, four point something liters, uh, uh, capable to run at uh, 85 kilometers per hour. This was my first car. But then I had many cars afterwards. I I could uh, upgrade. Uh, very fast, and I ended up with Volkswagen Beetles, with uh, Minis. With I had many cars uh, from all over the world. Actually, I love cars. <laughs> and what about now? What will we find you behind the wheel of now? It has to be something pretty smart, I think. No, you know, I'm actually I'm driving ID3, which I I really love. No, it's our first. I would call it really serious and uh, and, and and completely thought through electric uh, alternative, uh, and it works very very well for me. 
I, I really love driving it, so um, I'm electric by now. Have you ever run out of charge? <laughs> no, actually not, because, you know, the, the charging network is growing. Most of the time you load at work or at home. And uh, on my summer holidays, I went to Italy, which was, I thought it would be a challenge, but actually it worked also really well. And, and fast charging is, is now becoming quite convenient already, at least on the main routes from north to south. Uh, in, in Germany, in Europe. So it's working. I think it's working. So Simon, right, that's a, a, a good sell on electric vehicles there <laughs> uh, from our guest, from Dr. Dees. Uh, what are your questions about this area? I'm interested in Volkswagen's plans for electric vehicles. I'm glad that, you know, to hear you drive an ID3. Could you outline for our listeners what your plans are, because I think you have the most ambitious plans of any of the established car makers for electrification. Yes, Simon, I fully agree. I think we have the most ambitious plan. We are concerned about climate change and we are committed to the Paris climate target. And um, already some five, six years ago, we saw that the only way forward would be really electrification of our fleet. And this is when we, we committed to a huge investment program into uh, electric models, uh, battery technology, charging, uh, home charging devices, uh, investing in fast charging networks uh, in the United States, in Europe. So there's a huge plan being rolled out now. And as you say, the commitment is huge. We think that we are probably... Uh, the company which is dedicating most resources into electrification because we just think that's the right way forward. Not only think, we, we know that this is the right way forward to drive down CO2 emissions in individual mobility. And Simon, what do you make of the financial implications of that? I'm interested in how much of a gamble do you think this is? Because, I mean, I think I've read that you want to sell 25% of your sales by 2025 will be electric cars. Are the public ready for this? What's pushing the sales of, of electric cars? Is it demand from the public or is it um, you're being pushed in that direction by governments? How much do each play into uh, the supply and demand of electric cars? I think, you know, it's, it's probably a combination because uh, EV electric vehicles is not a, a natural thing to happen. It needs uh, uh, subsidies. Yeah. Need scale to become competitive. I would see a time between 24, 25, 26 when EVs become also economically really fully competitive with the, let's say, already very mature uh, diesel or gasoline uh, uh, engine driven cars. So it is a, a long term investment, but I think there's no real alternative if we won't drive down CO2 emissions. At the end, it will depend not only on, let's say, the manufacturers like we are, it will depend a lot on the policies of the government. It will be also self stimulating and supporting because as you recognize that your neighbor is very happy with an electric car and charging works and you can go to the holidays and it makes sense and it also makes economic sense to you then people are, are taking it up because at the end driving is is really better because it's you know it's no noise it's it's quiet it's smooth it's fast it's fun to drive there are uh, markets which are much more advanced no and areas where you see a high degree and there are markets where you probably uh, not even the next two, three, four, five years, uh, electric cars will play a major role because public policy or let's say 
the, the, the public programs are not uh, supportive for it. I was about just to, to ask you there, when you talk about public programs and support or incentives, what are you more convinced by? You've spoken about positive example. I see my neighbour's shiny new electric car or electric vehicle, EV as we've been calling them, or by a kind of looming deadline of, of a ban. So Boris Johnson in the UK, for instance, has said that petrol and diesel cars will be phased out by 2030. Do you like that kind of approach? And do you think he's right? Do you think it'll be true? I think, you know, that has to be decided on in, in every society. And, and the, the surroundings, the conditions are quite different. No? I would say a ban could make sense in, uh, in, for instance, countries like Norway, where you have uh, uh, zero-two-free primary energy, no? where electricity is basically free of coal. Uh, and it could make sense in uh, the UK as well, because I think uh, UK is already closing down the late last uh, coal plants uh, within the next years, and you get CO2-free uh, quite soon. It makes sense in France, because you know the, uh, they, they have uh, no, uh, no uh, carbon in their primary energy. Does it make sense in Germany? Yeah, let's wait and see. The commitment in Germany is only to close the last coal-fired uh, uh, power plant by 37. It doesn't make sense to run electric cars on electric energy, which is produced from fossil fuels or carbon. No, it, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, and that is why I think we, we will see and we should see different speeds at the introduction of, uh, of EVs. You something you mentioned in there, the government's role in all of this, and one of those things, and you talked about charging infrastructure when you talked about your own ID3, what role do you think governments, car makers, or indeed the market play in rolling out the infrastructure? Because one of the reasons people don't buy electric cars, one is price, the other is range. Well, we're getting, you know, electric cars have pretty good ranges now, but the other thing that really holds people back is infrastructure. I was talking to the boss of one of the big charging companies, and he sort of said that they have a joke that they should be making cardboard cutout charging stations to put beside the side of the road to reassure the public that they'll be charging that will never be used. Because charging, how we charge electric cars, sort of attitudes will have to change. So what are we going to do about infrastructure and what are we going to do about teaching the public to accept electric motoring? I would fully agree. And you have so much investment going into charging and just the recent announcement from the oil companies, no? basically investing a lot in charging infrastructure, in fast charging, that will alleviate the situation very, very fast. We also, we, uh, we are investing ourselves and we are building up a fast charging net network, which uh, bre the brand name is Ionity. No? And, and you can really fast charge there for the, the latest cars we released, which means that you can charge 100 kilometers in five minutes. That's not a, a hustle anymore. That's it's not as fast as refueling, but but it comes close to it, no. And uh, once we have those stations, and you, need, you don't need too many because today uh, everyone would refuel the car on the on the fuel station, no. But this is changing because normally normally you would fill up your car at work or at home or at the supermarket whenever the car is parked somewhere and only probably 10, 15, 20% of the time you need those charging infrastructure points and they are on a fast build-up. 
Now, actually, we have the best charging infrastructure built up in the United States. Uh, uh, we have invested about $2 billion to build up a fast charging network, which enables you really to cross the United States from north to south and from uh, west to, to east coast. And it's already working. Uh, it's, uh, you find a charging pole, fast charging pole uh, on, on all the main routes. Uh, it's, I think it's, uh, it's absolutely competitive. It's, it covers the country better than Tesla's charging network already. But it's, uh, actually, it's probably easier uh, already today than to cross uh, parts of Asia or, or even Europe from the most eastern part to the most western part. So you mentioned Tesla, and I'd love to follow up on that, because I imagine that VW and Tesla are kind of frenemies. Um, <laughs> you're both in this commitment together to... Uh, electric vehicles, but of course you're also competitors for uh, customers. And there was YouTube footage of you and Elon Musk, no less, driving uh, VW, the ID3, just before Christmas. That seemed to suggest that Mr. Musk approved of your mainstream electric vehicle. How was it, by the way, uh, driving along with Elon? Yeah, you know, we know each other since many years. And uh, I have to say that I, we, we really appreciate what he's doing, his commitment, no, and, and also his energy he's putting into this sector because he's also pioneering, paving the way. Uh, and that is they make a very high pace, which we try to follow as fast as possible. And uh, actually, they're pulling us, but we want to, let's say, keep in, let's say, side distance. Yeah? And uh, I would say currently we are probably investing more and faster because we, we want to catch up. We want to catch up with Tesla. And, and this year will be very crucial because we're rolling out many new cars. Uh, we're investing heavily in infrastructure. So let's wait and see how, how far the distance might be next year. The other thing that's accelerating very fast is Tesla's share price, particularly over the last year. Yeah. <laughs> and also that of other startups that don't have the legacy of the internal combustion engine. And if you look at the valuations of, of established car companies, investors are sort of saying you're going to go out of business in a few years and that Tesla's going to take over the world. Yeah. Do you think the investors have mis misjudged uh, the, the old established car industry? And if, if so, why do you think that is? I hope so. No, you know, the, the race is open. I think we have a good plan uh, and uh, it's far too early to give up. And, you know, this industry also you can't conquer in a few weeks or in a few months or even in a few years. No, it is. A, it remains a very capital intensive industry. You have to cover the world basically. To It, it needs scale, scale, scale. And if you look back uh, where Tesla is coming from, no, it took Tesla some 10 years and uh, probably 15, 20 billion of investment. And so I would say the, the second best and promising investment in the industry is, is for sure Volkswagen. But would, would the rest of the car industry have moved quite so quickly if there hadn't been a Tesla? I mean, what, what debt does the industry and society indeed probably owe to Elon Musk for pushing the electric car? Actually, I don't know, because the push would have come anyhow because of the now really that people are recognizing that we need to drive down CO2 emissions. And basically also the world now is recognizing that the only way to do this and to achieve this is actually EVs. No, You, you need to go uh, EV. So, yes, I think uh, Tesla plays a role in pioneering uh, Electrification uh, would have happened anyhow. Yeah. 
I'd like to turn to what may not be your favourite subject, which is so-called Dieselgate. Uh, just to remind listeners, this was emissions cheating software. VW installed it in around 11 million vehicles worldwide, and the firm then subsequently paid at least $30 billion in fines and other costs. What did you learn from that? And is your current strategy, not to put too fine a point on it, a bit of an atonement? No, I think atonement is it's the current strategy, the right strategy. It would have happened with or without diesel. Has diesel accelerated uh, the uh, implementation? Yes. No, it made us rethink. Uh, what we learned from diesel, I think quite a lot. We learned it the hard way. You know, it cost us 30 billion. We lost many people through this process. Uh, most importantly, we lost a lot of, of trust and credibility with our customers. Now, you can imagine that many of them had to come in change their cars, update uh, software. So uh, this was a, I would call it, traumatic uh, experience for us. No, luckily, we survived, and, uh, and I think we took the right decisions. I think we, we repaired most of the damage we, we did to the world, and we are starting to rebuild customer trust. Uh, and electrification, uh, this is a big chance for us to rebuild, rebuild the brand. The car is really becoming, uh, over the next 10 years, uh, really a software product. Uh, software is something much harder for us. Uh, 80, 100 uh, microcontrollers in the car, which we then put together, and most of those, this software today is bought in. And this is changing, because this product at the end will work uh, like a, a smartphone, no? where you have a software stack, part of the software actually not even is in the car, but in the cloud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to say, you know, this change is probably for the German car industry uh, much more challenging than the change over into, into electric cars, because there you need really different mindset thinking. No? So far we have been focused to to get the car ready before start of production and then basically uh, produce the car. Yeah? And this is changing because you now you start with a, with a feasible product, you deliver it to the customer, you learn from the customer, you get feedback, and you continuously improve your device, which, which is a different game. Let's see if Mr. Wright is, is happy with that. It is a challenge, as, as Dr. Deese has pointed out. You're absolutely right that, you know, cars are... Uh, were once lumps of mechanical engineering and they're going to become consumer electronics products. And that's the, there's no, no question of that. I'd like to ask about the legacy of the internal combustion engine, which you also uh, touched upon as you were speaking there. There's been a whole host of announcements from other car makers. General Motors is the main one who, who say they won't be selling any cars with internal combustion engines after 2035. They say it's an aspiration, as a matter of fact, but... And then much more recently, we've had Jaguar Land Rover saying their Jaguar products will be all electric by 2025. And Ford of Europe saying, putting a date of 2030, by, by which date they'll go entirely electric. When will Volkswagen sell its last car powered with an internal combustion engine? I tried to explain that a little bit in the, in, in the entry question because we don't see, we, we, I can't give you a date because, you know, we are really a, a global company. We are committed to EVs. We think we will pioneer. We think we will be, we have a chance to be market leader. 
and we will introduce worldwide, so China, United States. Uh, on the other hand, we see regions where we, it's still very difficult to imagine that they will be converted until 35 uh, entirely to electric cars, because also it doesn't make sense. I mentioned Latin America, parts of Latin America, now where they have a a different alternative with biofuels, which are CO2, which is much cheaper for them. Uh, the, the network would be hugely expensive. To change over all their plants would be hugely ex uh, expensive. But it's very difficult to imagine that by 35, we are completely CO2-free or below this threshold of, of 200 grams or let it be 150 grams uh, all over the world. It's just uh, unimaginable. And then it, it wouldn't make sense to go EV. But we've talked about it as if instead of buying a petrol or a diesel engine, I now buy an electric car. So, Or you pitch that to me and I look at Volkswagen and I look at competitors. But how much should we be looking at the whole model of car ownership as opposed to other big changes in terms of coming on in a more sharing economy kind of mode. Do I still want to own a car at all? And are you thinking about alternatives for your company? Uh, ownership, anyhow, is decreasing. No, since already many years, a lot of it went to first into leasing, short-term leasing. And just recently, we see car sharing, but it's still very minor, very small niche. And, uh, you know, we're all living in big cities, or most of us are living in big cities, so we, uh, we think that you really don't need a car. But many people are, are really needing a car still. And even in Germany, where we have a huge discussion that uh, uh, we are, let's say, getting to the end of the big car companies, uh, even in Germany, car ownership has increased over the past years. No, because you just you need a car, and and I, I would like to mention that you know the car is becoming even more attractive in the future because you know it will be, it it won't emit anymore. No, it will be CO two friend much CO two friendlier than today. Uh, it will be much safer than today, and, and hugely safer. No, and it's, it will be very difficult, basically, to have an accident in an autonomous car in the future because it won't be allowed, and it's going to happen in the next decade. So I would say that the individual car becomes even more attractive than it is today. Will there be more sharing, more short-term lease for sure, more leasing, because ownership is not necessarily what you want. No, but you want a car when you need a car, and this is what what is key for us because you know we are we we want to to uh, also in the future build the devices whether we rent them lease them sell them that's not as crucial for us for our, our core business model no important is that people love to to drive or being driven in their cars uh, if you would ask probably a hundred people in china spread over china and you would ask them what what is the product they would love to buy, yeah, dearly to buy, no, with all their money. Uh, I would say the vast majority would would tell you it's a car, yeah. And it's not only China; it would be Latin America, India. So we, I think, you know, we we are we 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 are looking at this situation very much from. The, the European metro, and I have this discussion with my daughter all the other day. She doesn't own a car, so she says nobody needs a car. <laughs> She's living in Berlin, you know. The family advertising campaign is not working that well, is it? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> listen, Simon Wright, I'm going to pass back to you because you might want to have a, uh, probably a couple of, of questions to follow up. You do, because you, you touch on, on the, the big issue here. The car industry, after 100 years of selling 
a piece of mechanical engineering with an internal combustion engine at the front, selling the car and forgetting about it, you're now becoming a consumer electronics software industry who are, in essence, selling mobility. You talk about those people saying they want a car. What they want to do is they want to get from A to B as easily and as cheaply as possible, which is slightly different, I think. I, I don't agree, Simon, but I... But <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> All other car makers I speak to don't agree either. That's, you're, you're not alone. Um, how does a company like Volkswagen that has been in existence for so long completely reinvent itself? I and mean, what are the challenges? What are the biggest challenges to completely reinvent the way you do business? One of the examples is electric vehicles have far fewer moving components. You simply won't need as many people to construct them in the future. How are you going to manage that sort of change? You know, the difference is not as big as many people think because, yes, the drivetrain is changing, but the car remains a car you know, with seats and screens and interior and, and rims and, uh, and wheels. So 90% of the car, or let's say 70% of the car remains the same and, uh, and gets probably even a little bit more sophisticated. Your first question, do you want to people really being driven around in gray kind of caravans which move automatically? No, I don't think so. Because, you know, if, if, we would, if it would be only about transport, we could do it today already. Yeah? Because, you know, everyone would use or buy the cheapest car what the contrary is happening? No, you want the right brand. You want to differentiate yourself. You want the comfort level. And even many people still, it's, it's not necessary to own a car today, but many people still want to own a car. Yeah? So this is my car. Uh, I would say it has changed. No, when I was young, we were still uh, Saturdays. We were washing our cars ourselves yeah? and, and, and polishing the chrome. That changed quite a lot. But still, there is a lot of um, more than transportation around the car. And you might say, OK, he's a, he's a car guy. For me, it's very hard to uh, accept and also to believe that this is going to change entirely. Because at the end, people will move around in such devices. Yeah? And you can choose the gray one, which is kind of public transport. And you probably you can choose a more fancy one, which has the right smell in it and a bit of leathers, and uh, it is more convenient. And I would assume that many people would be still prepared, as people will use will spend more time in the car than today. Not because we have no solution for traffic so far, and uh, the car will be so convenient that you can work. You could we could have that dialogue. Uh, probably in a few years uh, uh, in a car without a driver. No, we, we could have this, this session now. So you can, you can spend your time in the car much better. And this is why I believe that people would rather spend more on the car, yeah? differentiate a little bit, have the car according to their convenience, they just use this gray, uh, yeah, smelly can where you enter and it brings you somewhere. A gray, a gray smelly can do, doesn't sound very appealing. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years time, do you think Volkswagen will still be the world's biggest car manufacturer or might it be Tesla? A year ago, I would have said the number one company will be very likely Volkswagen. Uh, but already a few years ago, I said it will be a big company, I would call it a mobility company. The name might be Tesla, yes, yeah, if uh, Elon's 
still is interested in cars and not on the way to the Mars, yeah, this, uh, uh, then it, 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 uh, the, it could be Tesla, it could be Apple probably, yeah, in, if we think about uh, really out of the box. Uh, it could be a combination of an existing with a technology, but there's also likelihood that it is Volkswagen, yeah, because we are, we are doing the right moves. Uh, we know what's going to happen. We're building up the right skills. And the advantage we have over, let's say, kind of new entries is that we have a, a continuous cash flow out of our traditional business, which we can use to, to rebuild and, and, and to reinvest. Yeah? And hopefully also the capital markets will recognize that we are on the right way. And then sooner or later, we will catch up with the, the market leaders. <laughs> Herbert Dies, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you very much for interviewing and Simon, many thanks. My thanks to Simon Wright, our industry editor, for joining us this week on the show. I noticed that Herbert Dies, while frank about all sorts of things, didn't put an exact date on the end of the combustion engine. And given his reasons, are you tempted to give up petrol and buy an electric car? or not so convinced that you might not run out of charges. It's kind of changed my mind. I think I'm probably a bit more inclined towards the electric car, having heard that conversation. Or maybe like Herbert's daughter, you don't drive a car and expect the days of car ownership to come to an end. We'd love to know what you think and how you intend to travel in the decade ahead. Write to us, radio at economist.com, or you can tweet us at Economist Radio. And for your best introductory offer to the purring motor of journalism that is The Economist, do go to economist.com slash podcast offer. The link is in the show notes. We would like to have you along for the ride with us too. I'm Anne McElvoy. The producer of the show today was Rosie Pye. And in London, this is The Economist. <laughs>